everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 3, Issue 109. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3, and our next five issues coming up include Super Monkey Ball, the Super Monkey Ball saga, if you will. Uh, then we have a couple of weeks off for uh, a belated Christmas and the New Year, as it turns out, due to our schedule. Then we return with Nia, and following that, it's Hitman Blood Money. Then we have uh, an issue dedicated to the wonderful world of cave shoot-em-ups. And after that, it's the second instalment in our Mario series that we start today. So we'll be coming back with Super Mario World and Super Mario World to Yoshi's Island. You can head to canerince.com for the full schedule, as well as uh, the blog, of course, and links to our forum, the merchandise store, our Facebook page, Twitter feed, and YouTube channel. And as ever, please remember to subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. But joining me, Leon Chainchomp Cox, in this issue, we have Darren Goomba Gargett. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a Goomba. They were a late addition to the game, apparently. Uh, mm. They were. They needed an easier enemy, an easier one-hit enemy uh, in the first game, or first Super Mario Brothers game, um, to introduce players to the idea of jumping on the heads of things. So. Well genius, genius. That's why they're such a simple sprite, apparently. <laughs> Next, we have James Cheap Cheap Carter. I, I prefer to think of myself as Boss Bass, but I, I do fly a little too close to the sun occasionally, so that, yes, Cheap Cheap fits. Cheap Cheap also uh, by nature. <laughs> Thank you. That's a stereotype, and I'm sure it's not true. <laughs> and finally, in this issue, we have Carl Cooper Trooper Moon, of course. Who else could it be? <laughs> Hi. Hello. So... We can't possibly fit everything we want to say in this podcast. Uh, we're going to have to go at quite a lick. And um, obviously, Super Mario Brothers, incredibly influential game. Three, we're, we're specifically talking about three or three and a half very interesting titles. We're going to have to um, kind of rush through them a bit, but we couldn't possibly have our Mario series lasting, um, you know, 20, 25 issues in you know, two years' time or whatever. So apologies for that. Um, going back to the early 80s, uh, Obviously, Super Mario Brothers was not the first platform game. It, it probably wasn't even the first scrolling platform game. I think Capcom's Sun Sun came before it. Um, but certainly, uh, there were a lot of games around at the, since probably 1982, 83, things like Miner, 2049er, Load Runner, Chucky Egg, Manic Miner, of course, um, and from Nintendo, and in, specifically from Shigeru Miyamoto, we had Popeye and Donkey Kong. Um, but our story, I suppose, starts uh, with a brief look at Mario Brothers, which was a single screen platformer, mm. um, regularly packaged in for many years with other Super Mario games, um, making an appearance as a multiplayer or, or a trinket, um, recently uh, turned up again in Super Mario 3D World, I think. Yeah, if you bought Luigi U DLC, that's it. It then unlocks, yeah, it's a, it's a little tiny icon in the left corner of the gamepad, and you touch it and you get taken to Luigi Bros. So I remember playing this at the arcades and not understanding it at all. And I've never got on with the original Mario Brothers, um, the 1983 uh, coin-op as it was. It it got converted to home machines, including um, the sort of, you know, the British or the European 8-bit computers by Ocean Software. I remember it wasn't particularly warmly received as a conversion. Um, It's an odd sort of a game, but it's no, you know, thinking about other single screen, classic single screen arcade platformers like Bubble Bobble that would come later. um, I just never got on with this. The inertia in it is crazy Mm. and the mechanics are like, is it just me or was it, is it a misunderstood classic? (laughs) Now, um, I I really, really liked it, but only because uh, there's a certain period in my life where we all had Game Boy Advances and we were all linking up. 
and you could um oh i'm not 100 sure but i'm sure you could download the data to another game boy for free and yeah, we, yeah. we were all yeah. playing it and what on your own it's a really tedious game but you know by today's standards like i tried playing it on 3d world lately as luigi i was like that's this is pretty tedious but as soon as you mm. get other people in the mix and everyone understands the rules uh, which isn't too hard to get but there are a few rules like you know you can jump underneath the platform to knock the other players about there's a few minutiae touches you can do to like, like toy with each other as soon as you understand the rules it becomes a fantastic multiplayer game and i genuinely believe that if we all sat down and played it <clears throat> we'd have a great time so it was uh, co-designed with Miyamoto and the late Gunpei Yokoi, who, of course, um, also was responsible for Metroid and the Game Boy, I think, mm, in, yeah. in, in, in large amounts. Um, so definitely an interesting game with a lot of history, um, but there's, there's a number of ways of playing it, and, we're, and we're, not, we're not talking about it in this show any longer, unless, James or Carl, you have anything to add about Mario Brothers. No, Nothing no, they passed me by, and I've always kind of intended to go back on one of the various virtual consoles that's popped up on, and just never kind of got round to it. It's a historical curio. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, my story with Super Mario Brothers starts. This we'll, we'll do our histories as we go along. Um, actually, in the arcades with the arcade version, which I've only recently learned was actually called Versus Super Mario Brothers. Um, it you know, hinged more around the idea that, uh, again, more than one person would play, not simultaneously, but uh, take turns as Mario and Luigi, and it had a high score table and all that sort of thing. Mm. It came out actually a year after the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers. Um, And I've only recently also learned that it was a remixed version, um, had a lot more pitfalls and holes in the ground and ways to die, some of which were sort of incorporated somewhat into Super Mario Brothers 2 or the Lost Levels, which we'll be talking about later. Um, But I remember the thing uh, that, that I took to about it in 1986 was the sense of discovery that I hadn't really found in it, it was the secrets that really won it as well as that that famous um that balance the inertia and the the interesting mechanics things you hadn't seen before like the jumping on the cooper shells and and uh kicking them off and in into enemies and that sort of thing it was the the thought that there was this whole other kind of layered world going on above and below sometimes you'd headbutt a block and a vine would appear and you'd go up above the level um you'd go down a pipe and you go into this underworld and later much later i think if i'm honest i learned about the the still mind-bogglingly brilliant secret that is running across the top of the score <laughs> status panel and going into the warp zone yeah. um I, I have a feeling i did do that at the arcades but i think after probably after the game had come out in Europe um, uh, on the NES in 1987 um, and magazines had started to print. So I remember being vaguely aware of Super Mario Brothers um, and obviously I knew Mario Brothers from its conversions and coin-ups before. But I didn't really have any sense as to why it was, you know, why why, why some of the, the sort of the more... Um, in-depth magazines were kind of covering this this import game in particular but then you know i got my hands on it and and sort of like oh yeah this is this is this is really challenging and really tough but it's got it's definitely got something (laughs) so i know i'm very aware that you guys are all late 20s early 30s i'm i'm early 40s um so when 1985 came around uh you'd have all been very young indeed Mm. (laughs) um and obviously as i say this this came out the original Super Mario Brothers came out in September 1985 in Japan, February 86 on disc. Um, in the US, uh, it also arrived in at some point in 85 or 86, I'm not sure. 
Um, so I imagine, did, did, did any of you play the NES version first? Yeah, Or definitely. the arcade or the SNES version? No, I, was, I, I remember exactly where I was when I got the NES, um, but I can't really put it into a timeline in my life because, you know, it's trying to, you know, um, chronologically or, you know, sort my life out in terms of Mario games. It's quite hard. <laughs> um, so, but I remember having a Mars system and my brother was like, you don't really play on this, do you? Because we had like, you know, Commodores and Spectrum and stuff. So it was all going on. And I was like, ah, you know, it's all right, but I'm not really, I wasn't really all about it. He goes, well, give me, give me an hour or so. And I remember he just, he just ran off a bit and he came back with a giant NES box on his shoulder with a copy of Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers. And I just remember putting it in, just thinking, you know, this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted the mass system to do. And that sounds really harsh, but like playing Alex Kidd over and over and over again, because, you know, we weren't a wealthy family, so we didn't have the games coming out my ear. I was like, I do nowadays. Um, it was just like Alex the Kid again. Oh, do I really have to play that again? And to swap Alex, Alex Kid, Alex, no, Alex, Alex, Kid. Alex Kid, <laughs> <laughs> Mario Bros. You know I'm a stickler. Mm. Alex the Kid and Dizzy the Egg. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to swap Alex for Mario, it was some something of a game changer for me, and it sort of um, changed my pers- perspective on video games. Yes, although I never uh, wanted to enter into the whole, you know, Sega versus Nintendo thing because it was nonsense and the Sonic Mario thing was obviously uh, a thing. But um, I I think it would be fair to say that the Alex Kidd games never quite um, (laughs) lived comfortably alongside Mario games, if if, (laughs) if anyone was comparing them. Mm. Um, Carl, what about you? What was your first Super Mario Brothers 1 experience? Can you remember? Super Mario is a real oddity to me. Um, In... As Darren said, in the timeline of my life, I I remember it being in the arcades and I remember not getting on with it because I'd always found I had trouble because when I grew up, I always played arcade games uh, the opposite way around to how you would now, you know, left hand on the joystick uh, and right hand on the buttons. I used to play right hand on the joystick, left hand on the buttons when I was young. Yeah. Um, And it always felt really difficult because the constant pulling away from the screen or, or sorry, to the right, so you're constantly pulling mm. your hand back. And I, I always found it really difficult and awkward and quite painful to play. So mm. I never got on with it, but I always knew that I had played it. But I didn't go back to it until years later when I somehow knew everything in the game. So I'd obviously played it in that period of my life where I was still developing as a kid with and remembered it, but I don't remember the moment of playing it. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's almost like my first memory of super mario brothers one is playing it but knowing everything hmm. um from you know jumping across the top and running across and the the level select and, and such forth um and it, it's the only game in my entire life where that is the case but i was brought up um i had a friend with a mass system he alex the kid loved it he did he did not me and i had an amiga and i was very much a fan of uh the great guiana sisters which I always a thought famous was a, clone. I yes, always thought that, was uh, better. Um, certain, certainly more difficult with a far catchier theme tune. And um, <laughs> maniacs of noise music, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a famous clone that because uh, Nintendo got it removed from sale very early. <laughs> very, um, very much so. Yeah, it's actually worth can, quite a lot now, isn't it? If you if you've the, got a, the original, uh, the actual pro- uh, published version. Yes, obviously, yeah. it became a huge hit on pirate copy. Um, and since then, they've released a, a DS and a, and a more recently a PSN and other, you know, downloadable full, full game. remake, yeah. Very different, very different games. But um, yeah, the Guiana Sisters. It was. It started off as an out and out obvious. It is the most obvious clone. Blatant, going, blatant really. clone. Yeah. And <laughs> and 
You know, it, it was... I knew people who had Nezes, uh, but they were never in my immediate family. They were always sort of... It was a parent's friend, and I'd go there, and their kid would have one, and that's how I'd sort of play my Mario until I got, you know, Mario All-Stars on the SNES. But I had played a good chunk of it in the arcade and on the NES, but the first time I actually owned it myself was as part of the All-Stars package. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah true for a lot of people of of that sort of age, um, and uh, oh, it was Chris Hulsbeck, of course. I knew that wasn't right. The wonderful Chris Hulsbeck. Oh yeah, did the music for Great Jonas Sisters. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Koji Kondo's Mario music. It's quite iconic, some would say. James, um, yeah, it's weird. I had a couple of friends uh, who had Nezes and had Duck Hunt and and, Mar- and Super Mario Brothers and. I always ended up playing Duck Hunt. Um, I had a light gun, and that was similar to... I enjoyed the light gun on the Spectrum I had, so I always kind of enjoyed playing that. Um, so never really played it on the NES, aside from seeing it a couple of times. Um, and then got a, a Game Boy and Super Mario Land, and Super Mario Land 2 quickly became favourites of mine on that. So uh, it was either Christmas <coughs> 91 or 92 I got a Super Nintendo with Mario All-Stars in the box. Um uh, it would have been 92, 93. 93 maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, and so that's that was my first real exposure to all of these games at the same time really. Mm. Um and and I found it playing them again recently found it really tough to pick out if I even went in any sort of order aside from just picking from the box art which one I like the look of and uh yeah, I got this really weird Memory is as you do when you play things sort of out of order or come to it afterwards. Um, it, it kind of becomes difficult to separate one from the other in some ways. Mm. Um, in my memory, but because uh, the whole thing to me is just one package almost. Um, but yeah, that's when I first played it. Yeah, probably ninety three. You'd be right, I, I guess, because up until then it was it was all home computers and Game Boy for me. So um. Yeah, yeah, that's when I, I came to these games first of all, and uh, going back to them has been weird—a twenty-year nostalgia trip because I haven't been back to them pretty much since probably maybe a year or two after after I first played them that Christmas. Um, so yeah, very strange. Yeah, uh, certainly for me, the first time I had uh, Mario games at home was when I got my SNES in early 94, I think it was. I got Super Mario World almost straight away and then Mm. All-Stars slightly after. And that was the first time I'd been able to play um, the original Super Mario Brothers at my leisure. It's the first time I'd ever played Super Mario Brothers 2 and uh, and 3, in fact, because I'd never had an NES. So, yeah, um, Super Mario All-Stars, obviously that's kind of what we're covering in this podcast in a funny sort of way, um, Mm -hmm. an enhanced 16-bit. Some people said that the the feel was slightly off for Super Mario Brothers, and it is slightly different. Um, They they slightly tweaked the inertia and stuff Mm -hmm. on on the control of Mario to make it slightly easier. Plus, of course, uh, it has a world select, um, and on the lost levels, a stage select, thank goodness. Mm. (laughs) Um, It's hard to imagine actually completing... Um, it's lost lost levels without uh, without yeah, one, God, but yeah. um, you know people can. There are people out there, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that originally came out in July '93 in Japan, um, August in America, and of course we got it six months later, almost in <laughs> December. Um, big Christmas seller that year, packed in with um, a SNES. Yeah. Um, and then of course it came out again on the Wii, um, which is the version I've been playing again recently um, in. Uh, 2010 to mark the 25th mm-hmm. anniversary of the original Super Mario Brothers. 
um, and it was it, the, the Wii version is kind of a bit lazy because it is just the SNES cart and obviously they could have just put that on the virtual console but mm. they put it in a box with a soundtrack and a nice booklet which I'm holding here yeah, and charged £25 for it it's a strange was, thing because these games in, in varying degrees are, have been available on eShops on, uh, as, as virtual console titles for a while but it's <laughs> always the NES versions as far yeah, as I can because, tell never yeah yeah, I mean, they could have split them up from the from the from the All Stars and yeah. sold the SNES versions, I suppose, if they wanted to make slightly more money out of them. Just obviously, you could understand why they didn't just put All Stars as one car. I mean, they've done it with Kirby Superstar or Kirby mm. Super Fun Pack, um, but you know, I think yeah, it's just uh, they know they can they can charge more money for it, so yeah, they did. Yeah, sure. um, you know, I bought it. Um, Various versions of uh, Super Mario Brothers over the years, as you say, it's come out um, the after the arcade version. The next sort of notable version was the Game Boy Color version, mm. Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Now, yeah. I've never played this, but apparently I'm going to get the chance soon. But has anyone played it? Yeah, it is brilliant. Is it? Um, it genuinely is brilliant. Um, it's quite weird because it's been on your big screen before when you were a kid and on the NES. And then you have it... like portableized on your Game Boy Color. Mm. And mm. It, it kind of feels a bit weird at first because... I remember thinking, in my mind, I remember thinking, well, I can't see as far, but obviously it's scaled down. So you can see as far as you could when you were, you know, on, on the big screen. But to me, having, I think it's the first time I've ever seen a big screen get translated to a little screen. And I was just like, this, this feels really weird. And like, I couldn't really, at first I was a bit confused and I, you know, I wasn't making the daring leaps that I could on the NES version. Um, but then the more you play it, the more you realise how many like... Uh, the one that stands out to me was a mode called You versus Boo, I think it was called. And it was um, kind of like a mini game, a challenge thing, um, much like the NES remix kind of thing. It kind of throws you uh, on the Wii U, that is. It kind of throws certain situations at you and you have to just basically race a boo to the end of each level. And the the, the genius behind that is that the boo's at the top of the screen and because he's a ghost, he can sort of go through things. And yeah, you just, just have to race a boot to the end of the level. And it sounds really simple, but there's something about it. It kind of taught me how to play Mario games from then on, because I wasn't that good at Mario Brothers on the NES. Um, but when I was racing against Boo, you sort of realise that the faster you run, kind of like the easier the game is. I found mm. that the more I was plodding around, just like without holding down the run button, I found mm. I was dying more. Whereas racing Boo to the end of each level trained mm. me to learn how to play as Mario to his full potential. And I just remember that... Mm. The deluxe version standing out to me because it was just crammed with so many features that I just didn't even think were possible. Like it was the, like the secrets thing; it was a genuine surprise. Like, oh, you've unlocked a new feature, and you're like, oh my god! Like this, you know, this is brilliant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's well worth checking out when you get it on the uh, 3ds. Yeah, it's funny you should say about. Uh, it's funny also, Carl saying about the the coin op controls, and that was actually something that's yeah come up in my mind before that I used to. It was the same. I used to play, you know, joystick right hand, buttons left hand, because you often used to have the choice on a on a single player cabinet. Um, one of the things that I remember play, playing Super Mario Brothers early on in the arcades was I didn't realise the, the dash button or, you know, I didn't know it was there. I didn't know what it did because, you know, the, these machines, you very, very seldom played the original cabinet with its original bezel and instructions. It was normally a like a, a generic electro coin cabinet yeah. or something like that, often with no instruction card or anything like that. Mm. So there was nothing to indicate to use the dash button. So it was actually like you get to a certain jump in a certain stage and you'd be like, I can't I can't jump that high. I can't run that far over yeah. to get over that hole um so yeah that was a it's an still a common misconception in most games even now the the amount of people uh that you see on on any modern platform and say i can't make that jump and you have to say oh you have to run and you think mm. that stems all the way back from from mario is quite impressive 
Yeah, it comes up in Super Metroid from time to time, yeah. which no doubt we'll talk about when inevitably we cover that <laughs> game. So, sorry, Jim. I was just going to say, it's, it's an interesting part of the design of all of these games that struck me play, playing them recently is it feels like the the ability to dash and the fact that it does almost like riding a bike sort of the faster you go the easier it is yeah. or the momentum yeah. helps you and um, that almost feels like a secret because so many people don't really understand that either it's there or that it does make things easier mm. um and s- simply having a flag at the end of the level is a really great way of demonstrating to you that you you're gonna have to dash in order to to get this it's not a secret because it's right there in front of you but it mm. leads you into finding this stuff and you were mentioning like you know popping out the top of a level and running along to the warp zone that's you know some secrets in games you think well the developer must have leaked that or told someone because no one would find this stuff out otherwise in these games it really does feel like it's inviting you to accidentally trip over this stuff even something like just headbutting a block or jumping up into a block rather <laughs> and breaking it and finding that you can actually go out the top of a level because some of the lift platforms take you up there and you might accidentally end up there. It does feel like everything's there for you to stumble over these secrets and discover it. And it's really mm. odd to think that that's a game from 1985 that has mm. the ability to do that. You know, it's, yeah, it's you can sort of remarkable. see that in, in the first level. Obviously, one one's quite iconic, and it's you know it's yeah. recreated yeah. in every single game as a you know created content, uh, you know tool. But in 1-1, when you jump past the first series of pipes and then you jump at the wrong time and you accidentally reveal an invisible block that has a one-up mm. in it, and it, it's, right before, it's right before a pitfall, so chances are you'll hit that and die or something like that. But you'll pick up the one-up and you'll die and you go, hold on, did I just... I, what is that like? <laughs> the game's yeah. never alluded to the fact that there, there could be invisible blocks in the world. No, and once you sure. find it, you're like, this game is just unlocked a whole world of mess in my mind. And <laughs> yeah, you... you once you find that out, you, you kind of realise that this game has more than what you know the the attract screen is showing you, and you want to find everything. The other name we should mention we've obviously mentioned Miyamoto and uh, Koji Kondo, the composer, but uh, Takashi Tezuka um, is uh, also hugely responsible for a lot of what's good about Mario. He's the general manager of EAD Software Development uh, Department at Nintendo. Um, hugely involved in most of the core Mario titles, certainly in the early years, um, and Zelda and Animal Crossing and various other stuff. So he definitely deserves a name check. Yeah. Um, so that uh, Game Boy Color version um, originally released in first in the US in May 99, and then in Europe in July 99, and only then in Japan in March 2000, imagine that, <laughs> um, is uh, currently the subject of a giveaway uh, if you have, uh, if you link your Nintendo network IDs up uh, mm. across platforms, um, if you did it, I presume from the first day that that was available mm-hmm. um, yeah. up until the end of January. Yeah, uh, January might be into uh, February. Yeah, yeah um, you will then, um, which I, I did it as soon as it became available. So hopefully I qualify. Um, you will be given uh, sent a code for Super Mario Brothers Deluxe for free for your for your 2DS or 3DS. Mm. So do that. I mean, you should do it because why wouldn't you? (laughs) One of the things we said uh, before the podcast is that, uh, you know, in a way it's just impossible. Even if we had two hours just to talk about the first Super Mario Brothers, we couldn't possibly do justice to everything that this game has influenced. Every meme, every speed run, every recreated level in, in another game, every video, every yeah, just so much stuff. Mm. What do you like, you know, 
what is it that makes this game so exceptionally influential in that regard, do you think? Anyone got any theories? Mm, I think like, if you're talking about like, people who are developing games now, obviously grew up with Mario Brothers in, in, their, you know, in their childhood. So now I think when they're designing games, they, well, it's quite clear that you can see, especially in like Super Meat Boy, uh, there's, there's the reference check for that one. But I think like, that <laughs> game takes what Mario Brothers uh, is or was and sort of, you know, uh, builds on it tenfold. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just resonates, doesn't it? Around the whole industry that the, the, you know, the two blocks at the start of the level, which I don't know if it started off as a meme and then people just ran off of it or do people genuinely love 1-1? One, one? I don't really understand it myself, but I think you'll see it in games that are de- you know, designed by professionals and th- that's definitely on purpose. That's definitely a love letter mm. to you know, the-, the game that they grew up with. But yeah, for people to just, you know, it's, it's either that or um, genitalia. So I'd rather have 1-1, one, one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a case that it's so well designed as a game. It's such a... Mm. A friendly introduction to platforming. It came on the right system. It was, you know, all a matter of timing, of course. Um, and it was just so. It's one of those games that every so often something catches fire. And in in the two D platform, and it was Mario. We've seen it again with uh, again with Nintendo with Pokemon, and you know, you get these games where so many little things become so iconic. And it was just in nineteen eighty five this was the game that did it because it was the one that stood out. It got the, the mass appeal from the market. It was the one that was pushed by Nintendo. And the fact that it played so much sharper than, than its rivals, you know, we had the likes of Alex the Kid and stuff come on and they were just weren't anywhere near as nice to control. And, hmm. you know, even now you get a lot of 2D platforms that don't control as well as Super Mario Brothers 1, let alone the, the hmm. later iterations, which are sharper. So it it's just... It it was almost so measured by Nintendo uh, that it was groomed for success uh, on that system, and you know, as a result, it was the it was the start of the boom of video games. And I think the reason you see it so much now is the age range. You know, you're, you're looking at people who are probably mid twenties to you know getting on towards their fifties. That period, everyone knows what Super Mario Brothers is, and the vast majority have also played it. So uh, I think that's why it's still mentioned and so referenced today. And it, obviously it sold a huge amount of copies, yeah. particularly in Japan and America. Um, the NES, the success of the NES drove sales of Super Mario Brothers and, and people wanting to play Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. drove sales of the, of the SNES, or the NES, sorry, and the Famicom. Um yeah, and I think, you know, this was just ubiquitous, in particularly in American homes. I mean, obviously, we got the, the NES uh, later, and it was never a huge deal over here in, in Europe no. in the same way. And actually, I think the Master System outsold the NES in mm. Europe, possibly. Yeah, I think if you talk to Sean, he always talks about how big the, the NES was yeah, in the United was, yeah. States. And it seems yeah. really strange because uh, I had a friend with the Master System, um, but I never actually had a friend who had a NES um, mm. And and to mm. get my NES, I actually traded in. Uh, I actually traded a, an import Mega Drive back a generation <laughs> to get a NES so that I could play those NES games because they weren't that common. No, no. 
No, it was, it was Mastertronic marketed the NES over here, as I recall. And uh, what was that? Or was that the Master System? I forget. Anyway, no, I think that was the Master System. But um, yeah, it just was. It just wasn't a huge deal. It arrived late. Um, people were already looking towards. I think it arrived in in Europe in '87, and the Mega Drive came out in Japan in '88. So um, people were already looking. You know, we had we were used to Amiga level graphics by that point. Mm. Getting you know, um, it was it was a it was a tougher sell. These games looked a little bit. Uh, retro I think mm. um, and yeah people took some convincing but I do remember you know I do remember CMBG in, in like their uh, you know uh, console uh, Mean Machines type section um, talking about you know how, how amazing this game was how packful of secrets and just sheer playability it was mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah it was you know it, apart from those dalliances in the arcades it, it took me until yeah the snes era before i really got my head around just what nintendo were doing i think mm. super mario Bros. was also a perfect marketing tool for the uh the, the nes gamepad as opposed to as someone who was brought up playing amiga and as good as the zip stick was mm. playing something like the great Giannis sisters which is essentially like you said a complete rip didn't feel as right to that game as as the NES controller did to play in Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, the cross pad of course which came from originally came from the Game and Watch um mm-hmm. thing and was used in the in the yeah the Famicom controller obviously completely iconic. Yeah. Um, they still own the the rights and now somehow um yeah, it's interesting looking at like the Xbox One Xbox One's D-pad mm-hmm. which is um uh, very similar now, and and you know it's the best, obviously the best Microsoft D-pad there's been yet <laughs> oh, by, uh, by a country mile. Um, but it's very similar to a NES cross pad, but obviously it's just different enough that it doesn't. And it, it had the two their... buttons which were perfect for running and jumping in Mario as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the patents lapse eventually mm. do in, in the pharmaceutical world. They last fourteen years, mm. and that's your window to get your money back out of your R um, and And I. Th- I think I am right in saying that mid um, what is now last gen, that that patent actually lapsed for Nintendo. Yeah. They, okay. they no yeah, longer right. have a, a right to that. I'm sure that was the case. So yeah, that's right. why Microsoft now, they just didn't redesign sort of mid-360 mm-hmm. uh, to, to wait until now. So. It's funny, um, Carl mentions know. the NES gamepad as like a really good way of playing Mario. It is. But um, my mind's just triggered then, as you said it. I've, I had this thing called a NES Max or a Turbo and it was like it was like an arcade stick for your NES, and it had these two turbo buttons above the jump and the dash button. And uh, if you were in the underwater levels, which is you know another iconic scene for Mario Brothers, if you were to uh, push the turbo button on the jump button, so like it's like you're pressing jump a million mm. times in one press, you could swim through the blocks and go up through you know certain sections of the water level and just completely break the game. Did <laughs> 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 anyone else have these weird? Like, they're official, like license, like the power glove and stuff. But it yeah. was like a massive arcade stick for my NES. I don't know. If, was it just me? Uh, I remember that. I remember seeing the adverts in mm. magazines, but I didn't even have a NES. So, so ah, okay. <laughs> I, I do remember yeah. turbo buttons on other, not necessarily oh, official yeah. controller yeah. controllers. That was oh, always the big draw. Big deal, weren't they? Yeah, the, for the certain 80s, Super 90s. Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, so has anyone been back recently? Um, I, I yeah. played through the uh, NES version. Of course, um, I had the, this is uh, one of these conversations again, but I had the uh, Wii Virtual Console NES version, which was, of course, the PAL optimized version from the Duck Hunt <laughs> cart. Um, and it is sl- the speed's slightly wrong. Um, yeah. And it wasn't as slow as the original European version, but it still wasn't quite right. But now, of course, on the Wii U, uh, the US version is the one you can play. Um played it through um shameless use of save states and restore yeah. points mm-hmm. um because 
I find it very challenging these days. I don't know if it's yeah. me. I don't know if it's a game gaming. Um, but certainly, um, I would have, I could have, I could have played it through from the start if I'd bothered about the one ups and stuff. But it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a tall order these days. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thing that I've never really enjoyed about the Super Mario Brothers uh, series, all the way up to the new series. You know, on the Wii and the Wii U, is that mm. you have to get well, especially in the in the latter part of the game of like Mario World and stuff of the series. Sorry, you have to get to a certain point to save, and I've never really appreciated that. The fact that when you lose all your lives, you die, and obviously that's that's an arcade um, system put in place, so you have to put another fifty p into play again. But when you're at home and you get all the way to the castle in, you know, in a new Super Mario Brothers or something like that, and you die mm. and you go back to the start and you're just like, come on, man, just let me save whenever I want. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, why? It, it feels like you're being punished and I you didn't really notice the, that back the, in the day. The problem is um, that that would kind of require the removal of the live system because I know what you mean in, even in uh, most recent games you have a continue if you lose all your lives and you just mm. press continue and it gives you yeah. five lives again and off you go <laughs> from you know a couple of levels back or whatever um, but it, if they put in a save system where you can save anywhere if you die then you just start again they'd basically be saying well let's just remove the live system and at that point mm. well what are the coins there for and you don't take coins out of Mario. So I no, assume they just need to keep these key elements mm-hmm. and that's their way of doing it. Yeah, you, you that, can't that's a, have that's a, a massive reach and an assumption, but... No, well, yeah, I mean, the key they, thing they, here is just don't die and play better. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. I mean, obviously it is a game, um, they mentioned it on the recent Channel 4 program. Um, it is, you know, it's a game where you know when you die it was your fault, not the game's fault mm, because oh, the controls yeah, yeah. are spot on, sublime and all that. But, you know, the fact is that... Uh, these games are nearly always um, towards the back end quite challenging. Yes. Um, obviously, we're, we're just about to come on to the, the lost levels. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, you can definitely get better through practice. And certainly I can, you know, I can breeze through a lot of the early levels now just because I've done them so many times yeah. over, mm. over the years. But it's still very easy if you get a, a little bit rusty with that particular control um, to uh, to start coming a cropper over and over again. And yeah, and these days, the thought of starting back at the start of worlds mm. rather than individual levels yeah. is, is, it's is off-putting. Of course, mm. it does have the thing where you almost have two lives per live as well, don't you, if you get big Mario of course, you know, yes. You yes. actually turn super, then, you know, it allows you an extra hit, which was always sort of a, a really nice, friendly feature because everyone always made the jump and got hit by something stupid via mm. fireball sliding to an enemy or getting hit by uh, the enemies coming out the pipes and stuff. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the you want times to spend you went this... big and then small within a second. <laughs> it's very annoying, yeah. Yeah, or watching a one-up scroll off the, uh, yeah, on the screen. Oh, the um, Especially as you yeah, jump you want up to spend... after it and die trying to get it, so you actually lose two <laughs> yeah. lives. If you grab it on the way out, it's like, okay, nothing lost. Um, yeah, I mean, you want to spend as much time in Super Mario Brothers as Fire Mario as possible. Fire yeah, Flower yeah, Mario. Yeah, it makes, you know... it. it that that's one of the great hooks of the game isn't it mm. the fact that you know you 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 always want to be minimum super mario being small mario is incredibly tense and precarious yeah. um but you have the slight advantage of being smaller um in terms of it being harder to hit you but um being big mario and then being fire flower mario and just you know rolling along those bits and just blop 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 yeah, you know incredibly empowering yeah yeah, yeah very much yeah. I was going to say, there's one thing going back to Mario Brothers recently and uh, other Mario Brothers games around that era is that when you're Fire Flower Mario, 
<clears throat> excuse me, when you're Fire Flower Mario and you take a hit, you go straight to Tiny Mario. And I found that really jarring. I was like, <laughs> where's the where's the middle ground, guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. really vulnerable. <laughs> yes, soften, definitely softened up. Yeah, there were only um, five sort of uh, collectible elements in the first game. Super Mushroom, Fire Flower, Superstar, One Up and a Coin. That's pr- pretty much it. Wow. But do you guys not find it weird now that, that you know, in, in the first Super Mario Brothers, Fire Flower Mario was the main image but that never really became the iconic mario image after the later mm. games where you know you could have the raccoon tail or the or the, the star ability and you think if you picture mario you don't really necessarily picture him as the fire flower mario it's it's quite often you know that yeah. especially the raccoon tail is seen so often now isn't it on mm. on the yeah. 3d mario worlds on the box art and and such forth yeah, I suppose just because the yeah the power ups became more and more a thing, and and obviously yeah. he, we've now seen Mario as a ghost and a cloud and a bee and a million other things as well as as well as raccoon, um, and now a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I think when I went back to play it, I, I think and part of what you're saying, um, Carl, it, it struck me that we talk about you know having mascots and and the fact that even in silhouette you recognise the character, and that's the big thing you know that mm. people talk about when yeah. you've got. Um, a, a mascot you want it to be recognizable even if people can't really see what they're looking at you want them to know instantly and i love that about uh all stars that when the menu comes up it's in silhouette and yeah. you know if you took a still of that pretty much anyone who's played these games is going to be able to recognize who all those characters are mm-hmm. um and and i think that's possibly certainly in my mind where it comes back to is they put that screen on and it's in darkness and then the lights flick up and you're like yep i know all those characters um, mm. And that's where the notion of that silhouette being really distinctive comes from. Um, in regards to the difficulty, I, I I do remember and I love the fact that it, it's a very big arcade trope. You watch someone else play the game and you can see their mistakes and you think, oh, how did they make that mistake? I could see that coming from a mile away, you know, that they were going to miss a jump or they were going to bump into a, a, a Goomba or whatever. But you don't see your own mistakes coming that yeah. easily, you know. It's so easy to stand over someone's shoulder and think, I can do this. This looks easy. And you know, <laughs> even some of the speedruns, you recognize how impressive they are. But you do feel like, well, no, that looks easy. They just jumped then and ran a bit then, jumped and you know, it <laughs> seems really straightforward. But then you start playing it. And yeah, yeah as, as a you kid. You must I think, hate watching people play Dark Souls. <laughs> 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 um but the, so the other thing that stood out to me that I don't think I necessarily recognized was there's a lot of iterative game design that goes on. You know, Leon, you talked about the fact you've got the the sort of overworld and, and underworlds down the pipes, etc. Um, but there's not a lot of context until you get to Mario Brothers 3 for what this world is. It's yeah. actually all in service of game design. And yeah, absolutely. You know, like the fact that you get to 5.3 and you think, I've played this before. Mm. And there's actually there's five levels that there's there's harder versions of later in the game, and it, you start realizing that it's actually all in service of the reason everything's laid out where it is is because that's what makes the level work. It needs to be there, and it's I presume through hours of iteration, making sure they move platforms just to the right, the right place. Um, and I, I came to the point where I was playing through five three and thinking, did they design this first and then take some enemies out? To make mm. the to make one three work quite possible, or did yeah. they go with one three and then try and add enemies in? Because I think <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they started with the more difficult level and made it mm. easier. Because to add something into what you've already designed and not screw it up must be incredibly difficult. And I think that is what struck me playing through it recently. 
with, with all these games to a certain degree, but certainly with, with the first one, the fact that they were making these levels to be, you know, absolutely pinpoint perfect. There's a reason that Mario jumps the distance he jumps and that all the platforms are certain spaces apart, etc. And that you you seem like you can't get up to a certain brick or a certain platform, but you just try it a couple of times and realise you needed to dash or you needed to just hit jump at a slightly different moment and you can just get there, but only just. It's like pixels away. <laughs> um, and I think that just really impressed me about it. And I, I think mm. even if it's subconsciously, that's why this game has the legacy it has and why it's lasted in the minds of people who are now developing and making and designing games to evoke that and and in light of of super mario brothers um yeah talking of uh, designing things to be harder so uh, <laughs> long before europe um even uh, were anywhere near getting the original game uh, japan uh, the J- japanese famicom was getting a sequel super mario brothers 2 um, came out for, I think, cartridge and disc, possibly. Um, and it was effectively it, something it's these days. I mean, you look at Super Luigi U, which is probably more of a uh, of a, of a, re, a remix than mm, this was yeah. compared to the original game. That, you know, that was premium price DLC. This was, a, you know, this was a whole new game. But it really is. It's a palette swap and a remix of mm. Super Mario Brothers. Um, but with the difficulty ramped up to, uh, frankly insane degree <laughs> yeah. um i'm sure many of us only ever played this i, I we'll, we'll get on to uh, doki doki panic and indeed super mario brothers the nest version um but i certainly never played uh, the lost levels um until all stars yeah. um and uh i think th- thanks to the level select i managed to get over halfway through the game maybe up to something like level world five three or something like that Ooh. over time <laughs> um but I've never finished it, um, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm sure I never will. I finished it the last week, and by finished oh. it, I mean I got to the, the the final bit where you fight two Bowsers, where you have to run underneath it and jump over the other <laughs> one. Oh, that must have caused tremendous slowdown. That was re- back in the day. Oh, it was it was slowdown in my brain. I was like, I've done one, but there's an, there's another one. What yeah, the, that's what's going just. On? <laughs> you said, oh, I see. They're not on the screen at the same no, time. They're, no, they're they're it's like one halfway well, through the level. Yeah, yeah. And you, it's like, what's he doing? He's not on the bridge. Like, what's going on? So you run past him. You think, well, this is great. And then you see the bridge. You're like, oh, this is. He starts throwing about a billion hammers, and it's ridiculous. And yeah, it, you know. And then when you when you beat the second Bowser, it then goes uh, now for a harder a harder challenge, and it gives you like World D or something. And it just gives well, you it's, it's the same message you get at the end of Super Mario Brothers. It's a there's a similar message, but in that one you have to use like a menu shortcut, like a menu button or something to mm. to to yeah go back into the game. Um, but yeah, in this one you get to World. Well, you can get World Nine and then World A, B, C, and D. That's it. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> just no I'm it's, sorry it's, no. it's a more bonkers version of what you've yeah. already played in Lost Levels Like it's like they've got even more glitchier and more random like you know like in some levels you're, you're running along a perfectly normal level when suddenly cheap cheeps just start jumping out of nowhere and you think well like in my brain that you know Mario doesn't make sense really anyway it's about jumping on mushrooms and fish flying around everywhere but when you see cheap cheeps flying through like Bowser's castle you're like this isn't yeah. this isn't how yeah. Mario works and I didn't you know, I, I liked it enough to play it through, but I, I didn't really get on with the Lost Levels just because it, it seemed too abstract for its own good. It was just a bit bonkers. 
I have to say, I mean, uh, not specific to the Lost Levels, this, but certainly one of the things I've always enjoyed about Mario, like I've never been a fan of the character of Mario himself. Famously, when you know, we're not going into all that. The the design of Mario was out of necessity in Donkey Kong. He was called Jumpman, blah blah blah. Everyone knows all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, the whimsy and the surrealism of the the world is something that I've always enjoyed. And when when they've when they've taken that away a bit in games like Sunshine, that's that's when it loses something for me. And I think part of that appeal, you may, you know, it took people talk about how much they adored Matthew. Smith's um, Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy for its sort of very British surreal humour. Mm. Well, for me, it was very much like that, but but a more Japanese slant. So mm. um, a lot of uh, sort of um, European developed platformers would be very kind of down to earth. Things like uh, Bounty Bob Strikes Back, which was a sequel to a very early platformer called Miner 2049er. It was great, and it and it had silly ideas in it, but it was you know this is a mine. These are creatures that live in the mine, and. And it had this kind of raison d'etre. And certainly you'd always see this thing. It was something some magazines used to joke about where like, you could tell that a computer game designer was just sitting looking at his desk thinking of things to make into collectibles because it would be like <laughs> a joystick, a floppy disk, yeah. a snow globe, you know. Um, and that's what I liked about Mario, even though it was completely whimsical and surreal. It, had a, it's, it, sort of a, it was consistent within itself. Mm. Well, that's the weird thing with, um, with the Lost Levels is Super Mario Brothers, there's, as I said, there's not a lot of world building going on. There's there's a consistency in, in the whimsy, as you say, but there's not a lot of context for what this world is. Um, and in Lost Levels, if you were under any misapprehension that the game was designed the way it was because of the game they wanted to make, not the world they wanted to show you, yeah, it's all out the window. There's no logic. There's no mm-hmm. rhyme. There's no reason. Um, and by the time you get to World A, they put you in underwater levels that are clearly land levels. Yeah. There's platforms that you would be jumping from, and they've just put it underwater. They're and some of those, bloopers. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, and there's bloopers. Yeah, absolutely. So in it, the sky, even early on, bloopers <laughs> just in midair above well, that's land. That's clearly scientifically nonsense. <laughs> well, but it, exactly, it looks out of place. But but in Mario's own logic, you think, well, no, that's a, that's a squid. It, it's underwater because yeah, I've seen yeah. it in underwater levels, not because of any biological reason. But suddenly they've put them in midair. Suddenly you've got a, a clearly a platforming level, but it's underwater, which makes some of those levels really easy. Mm. Um, and you realise that actually it's not in service necessarily of any internal consistency. It's just that's the level they wanted to make and it's mm. either for the gameplay or just to put you off guard because <laughs> you're seeing stuff that's even for its own internal logic just doesn't make any sense if you're not a fan of um, Mario Castles doing the you know the, the right wrong paths don't play the lost levels because it's just it's just full of them. Like every castle oh, is like that. a you're taking the wrong path. You ran out of time. You're like, well, that's not my fault. That's your stupid level design. Yet yeah. lost levels is it, they they should have remained lost. <laughs> well, and, and they they take so the the end of Super Mario Brothers that skill level you need to have to get to the end of it. That's the start level. That's the base level. I remember people saying something similar about Mario Galaxy Two when it came out, but this is beyond that. Like. In the first first few worlds, you need to make like triple jumps on the heads of enemies <laughs> just to get to the end of the level. That's not to get like the flag or not to get to a secret area. That's just to get through it. You have to do some <clears throat> crazy stuff, and they they start introducing you know spots where you have to run across, dash across gaps because jumping is going to be way too difficult. So you know there's lots of dashing over single gaps, and then they'll fool you by putting one that looks like it might be a single gap, but as you get there, it ends up being a double, and you fall into it and all sorts. Yeah, it's 
And it's uh, it's it's worth reminding ourselves this was the sequel to mm. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, this yeah. was not this was not a level set a, da- a data disc. This was Super Mario Brothers two as far as Nintendo were, and the Japanese public were concerned in 1986. Yeah, that's yeah. And and they also introduced I don't think unless I'm misremembering Super Mario Brothers. So they introduce in Lost Levels wind which speeds you up and uh. screws you over, and then there's the springs. There's giant ones that push you off the screen, and you can <laughs> oh. from one to the next all the way through the level in some For like cases. Ten seconds, you're just off the screen. <laughs> but and knowing yeah. where you're going to come down is just. So yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, you, your mind's eye is yeah. like going like rapidly. Like, well, where am I? Mind's eye, look above the screen. Where yeah. am I? Where? Mm. And then you land on like pushing left and right to try and yeah. see how the camera moves to see where you're going to come. Down. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The purple, it's the purple mushroom that's like got to be the most iconic thing for that game. Like when you when yeah. you bop a brick and you're like, there's a purple mushroom. That's that's the one addition. Yeah, that's the one uh, sort of different uh, collectible or power yeah. up. Yeah, the the poison mushroom which uh, which shrinks you. Yeah, and if you're little, it kills you, which is yeah. ridiculous. Oh, another thing, I didn't notice this in Super Mario Bros. either, but if you kill Bowser with um, fireballs, he changes into a regular enemy as he dies. Mm. I don't know whether that's supposed to be a, a nod to the fact that all the way through he's, until the final fight, you're not actually fighting Bowser. It's, he's King Koopa, though, isn't he? Like In the cartoons and stuff, he's, he's labelled as King Koopa, so I guess he's just a, yeah. a massive version of a Koopa. So when you knock him down enough, he will become yeah. a little tiny Koopa. But it's a different enemy. Sometimes it's the little oh. guy in the cloud. Sometimes it's... Lucky to me. Yeah, it's, it's mm. all, all sorts of different enemies. So I don't know if the idea is that it's some kind of magical illusion that you're fighting. Mm. You're not really fighting Bowser until you get to the very end. It's his minions that he's pretending are him. It's you know, a dream. It's like in disguise. But, or, yeah, yeah, potentially. Um... And you can slide as well, duck, duck sliding. I don't remember doing that much in Super Mario Brothers, but it's kind of necessary. You can, uh, the, the mechanics are no different. Right, okay. It's there, but there's no, there's no real need. Yeah, you need to use it, in, it. In mm. the, specifically in, in the um, the castle levels quite a bit. Yeah, you need to I think slide. there are some points you can do it in bonus rooms and stuff right. in, in okay. Super yeah. Mario Brothers. So uh, then the interesting story is that in, uh, in Japan in 1987, uh, a game came out called Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic. Um, it was by Nintendo R&D uh, 4, and its director was Kensuke Tanabe. Um, and strangely, uh, just like as would happen a few years later to a uh, an Arabian Nights-themed game on the Mega Drive, uh, when Ma- Magical Flying Hat Turbo Adventure became deca- Decap Attack, <laughs> um, this Arabian Nights uh, sort of style turban themed adventure would be effectively reskinned into uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 for uh, for the US and Europe um, in 1988 and 1989 respectively. So this of course means that famously Super Mario Brothers 2 is the odd sheep um, because it, although it's by you know the core Nintendo team, Miyamoto mm. was involved and so on like that, um, it's got completely different handling mechanics. It's got a <laughs> multiple character select. Uh, you can stand on enemies and they don't die and neither do you, but you can pull vegetables out of the ground. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, it's got flip screen scrolling in some areas. It's got huge amounts of verticality. It's got weird bosses that spit eggs at you. Um, it's got totally different yeah. sounding music, even though it's also by uh, Koji Kondo. Um, and yes, I remember when I first played this on the All-Stars uh, cartridge in 94, obviously the game was already several years old at that point. I was like, this is a weird Mario game, yeah. and that's what everyone always says. This is a weird Mario. But isn't game. it interesting that actually, when that originally came out, the tropes we think of as Mario, even by '94, certainly by now, they they certainly for the Western world weren't that set in stone. 
it, mm. it wasn't necessarily a weird Mario game. It's just like, oh, well, Mario can be different things each time, presumably was what you're intending it. Cause, and yeah. as, as I fired it up, I, I just started writing down things with big exclamation marks next to them because there's just weird stuff <laughs> going on as... all the time. But like power blocks, um, yep. picking stuff up and throwing it, charge jumps. These are all things that we think of in some Mario games, not necessarily all, but they're there now. So even though this was a reskin of a different game, they actually became tropes that we think of as, as specifically Mario things now, so it didn't kind of matter to a certain extent. I know what you mean, though. In, in my mind, it's very much, when people talk of it, it's like, well, it's not a real Mario game. But when I went back to it recently, I realised that a lot of what I thought of Mario was from that game, because for a, a kid who doesn't really know how to play Mario, that's actually a really nice game to get into playing yeah. to start off with. It feels much easier to get into and just run around and muck around in rather than necessarily having to get to the end of the level. You can pick up a vegetable and, yeah, why not? That seems perfectly reasonable. It doesn't feel out of place if you don't have that expectation already built I in. I find Doki, uh, Doki Doki Panic, Super Mario Brothers 2, really difficult. I don't know why. I think it's just my expectations have always been so confounded after after at that point, you know, I'd, I'd been playing Super Mario Brothers on and off at the arcades for several years. Yeah. Um, and and I played Super Mario World from you know abs- to absolute completion all ninety six mm. exits and then I played Super Mario Brothers two and I've never been able to train my brain back to get it properly. Mm. It always feels weird to me. I don't hate it. I don't hate the game. It's clearly you know like it, it's a it's a it's a first party Nintendo in house game and and they obviously liked it enough to kind of you know to paste Mario all over it. It made perfect sense for them. I mean take this game that's very difficult. You know it's kind of weird looking if you look at the original box art and stuff. I mean. There's, there's recognizable stuff there, mm. shy guys and things, but you know you've got this guy in a turban and he's got a weird mask and stuff like that. Um, it made perfect sense to do a reskin rather than try to sell the lost levels as a, as a full blown sequel. Yeah. But I, it's yeah, it will always be the odd one out to me. Even you know, even now that we've had Sunshine and and, and <clears throat> Galaxy and all these others, no, it, is, it is a really tough Mario game. Uh, I think that's largely because. Uh, at first, for me, I remember playing Mario Brothers 2 thinking, what's, what, what's going on? Why can't I choose between different people? And at first, yeah. you, you try and get used. You obviously choose Mario because that's what you're familiar with and he's a recognisable face. But when you start toying around with the other characters, you, you soon realise that maybe Peach is your favourite. Even though you're a boy at that age, you don't want to admit mm-hmm. that a girl's your favourite. But you do anyway because she can float in it. Because she's got the control. Yeah, yeah. It is brilliant. And then, but it's the, it's the minutiae of that game that is just so... like it just totally throws you off like, off your expectations for example you can you can go down pipes in Mario Brothers 1 sure but you can go down little vases in this game and you're like well, what's on it what's in it? you pick up a yeah, golden and it's key. really scary yeah and they it's, it's really spooky and this, this weird like dojo face comes chasing after you you know like yin yang face he sort of chases yeah, yeah, you yeah. and mm. they use that mechanic in Mario 3 with the sun but they're that that chasing you is just not Mario at all in my mind. But that is that is scary stuff, and it, it yeah. makes you panic. And you, it, it's like, well, where do I put this key? And then you obviously see the door with the, the, the little golden padlock on it. But yeah, it's a really hard Mario game, and I don't think it's 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 hard to play and control. I think it's just hard because you're not expecting things to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you jump yeah, on an enemy, yeah, oh, yeah nothing happened. My my biggest problem with it is the over reliance on knowing where to deploy your potions. Yeah. Um so yeah. to go into the the other world and collect your power up mushrooms and, and, and things like that, which, you know, the more of these you get the the far better chance you, you you've got. And also the over reliance on kind of winning on the fruit machine between levels mm-hmm. to get more lives mm. um kind of takes a lot of the 
the sort of skill out of it. Um, I know, you know, you, you, you can rack up the coins and you can actually, you can skill the fruit machine game to a point. Um, but it's, yeah, it's all that stuff. It just never feels comfortable. And there's some really mean configurations of those enemies that spit <laughs> across platforms at you. And, yeah. and, and, and the controls almost feel too loose and tight, uh, too, too loose at points. Mm. Yeah, I, I think a big part of the reason maybe I was more accepting of it was actually to do with the bosses. I feel like if, if you were playing through in the order we're talking about the games, you'd kind of have a very fixed expectation of what, the bosses mm-hmm. should be yeah. unless you'd played super mario land first because obviously in super mario land you have bosses that are in theory themed to the level the the world you're playing through and it kind of feels different to what we've talked about as the sort of you know you play through the world you get to the castle level you defeat bowser and you go on and do it again etc etc um and and the bosses in in this game are actually equally they're kind of tough whereas before as long as you got your timing right, it was just a case of kind of running past and that was it. Whereas in this game, they're, I mean, Triclide, I think, is the, mm. the three-headed... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, f- mm. fire-breathing tri- yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it, I, I understand it. It definitely puts... It, it almost sets out to put you off kilter. Um, and I think the fact that it's been reskinned with Mario puts you even more out of your comfort zone um, than it would have playing the, the sort of original game. Um, is the... I I often die. I played this again recently on the uh, Wii U eShop version, and then I, I realised mm. that the All Stars version is still the one that I prefer. But I always struggle to play the game, uh, largely because you can't kill enemies by jumping on them. I, I know my yeah. brain knows this, but I can't get to grips with it. Like mm. that, that yeah, yeah. guy who sits on the in the on the magic carpet, and you mm. have to pick him up and throw him <laughs> off the magic carpet. Like that really, I always manage to grab him, but the magic carpet just sort of sits below the scenery of the level yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to just fall off the edge because you're not making it across that you know mile long gap ahead of you. you see, yeah, it's um, it is a really tough game, and I only finished it when I got the Super Mario Advance version, which was out on launch, wasn't it? It was Super Mario Advance One, which was Mario Brothers Two. That's correct. Yeah, yes. and yeah. I remember the final boss battle being Mauser. I'm going to say that. And it, it was mm-hmm. a, it was a bomb fight, and it was ridiculously hard. And but I'm glad I did it once. Uh, once I've never finished a game since, and but yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it once. Yeah, 2001, the Game Boy Advance came out, mm-hmm. as you say, with with the GBA. Um, yeah, and of course the Japanese eventually got Super Mario Brothers to USA in 1992. <laughs> so yeah. five years Con- after they Yeah. Yeah, it's worth, worth uh, mentioning that the, the translation of uh, Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic is Dream Factory Heart Pounding Panic, Doki Doki being a, an onomatopoeia for heart going doof, 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 doof. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the, the clue's in the title there, in the original title. Um, and obviously, as I suppose was almost inevitable, some, some things that turned up for the first time in that game uh, ended up uh, end up being part of Mario Canon, yeah. the Shy Guys, and what else? A few other things. Well, most recently, you got Three D World with its multiple character selection. Like Three D World yeah, actually has yeah, the yeah. same roster. As that. Definitely. Yeah, Birdo and, and as well. yeah, Three D World. You end up saving little like cherub-looking things, which is the same in this. You're not actually saving mm. the princess, obviously, because you can play as her. So, um, yeah, as, as Carl, you just said, and I mentioned earlier, pow blocks, um, charge jumps pick up and, and throwing items as opposed to just jumping on the shells to, to fire them at enemies, etc. Um, and um, the fact that Mario is dreaming um, in, in the game 
yes. uh, that, that obviously yeah. uh, has woven yeah. its way into entire series all of their own. But uh, I mean, but yeah, that was they woke up and it was all a dream. Mario, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, Mario yeah, yeah. Two, yeah. That, that, as we see, it did. I remember the first time I played it, I absolutely detested it. I thought this isn't what Mario is <laughs> all about. I didn't <laughs> sort of, I didn't, you know, get it. Uh, so say I, I, it's not something I enjoyed. I think the, the first time I went to it was actually when we got the All Stars package, and it was a case of, well, I'm going to go and play either the first one, uh, the third one, or, or yeah. Lost Levels. And it was only a game that I really enjoyed to play. Maybe five, six, seven years down the line, um, going back to it, it felt, it felt fresher. It felt, it felt nice to actually play something so different in that in the Mario yeah. canon and. Uh, I think I think my biggest complaint I had about it was that it always felt a little bit too floaty. I mean, obviously we've mm. mentioned that Peach does actually float as a character. But, it is very but, floaty, uh, yeah. and it shouldn't really Luigi, be surprising. Though. You know, that it was essentially it was designed by Kensuke Tanabe, who obviously later went on to go and work on Kirby, who's all about being floaty. Um, so mm. there, there was certainly. It feels like it was a much stronger influence on other Nintendo games, and obviously, Kensuke mm. Tanabe is still at Nintendo, as as a lot of people are. And he, you know, the latest game he's working on is is the latest Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, um, where you can be Cranky Kong, yay! And um, <laughs> you know, you you sort of see his development, his stamp on future games more than you've seen any stamp on on future iterations of Super Mario Brothers. But it's a, it's an enjoyable game, but. To class it as Super Mario Brothers two, it felt like it came out at the wrong time it, it, in the Mario Brothers series. That that should have been a lot later down the line if they wanted to try and introduce that game as uh, as an authentic Mario Brothers experience. Um, mm. But it, it, I, I personally found it thoroughly enjoyable, but not for a long time after the first time I actually played the game. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense going back to it fresh, probably knowing the history as well, mm-hmm. just understanding that it's, yeah. it wasn't originally designed to be a Mario core Mario game and um, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, but I, I do still find it, overall I find it, even though you might not die as many times as in the you know the more traditional mm-hmm. Mario games, mm-hmm. I find it overall slightly more frustrating somehow, just the feel of the characters. Yeah, it, uh, it felt weird. I remember playing it, and you know, you you mentioned it's all about saving the portions and, and using them from the two. And it feels it had RPG elements to that game that that obviously mm-hmm. weren't involved in in the in the first Mario Brothers, and I found that quite alienating and quite frustrating. And as you said, Leon, difficult. I found that game far more difficult than I ever found the, the first Mario Brothers because. I was I was essentially approaching it in the wrong frame of mind. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think haphazard's the word I'd say. You know, feels like you have to mm. explore, you have to test out stuff, and it feels like. Whereas with, with um, Super Mario Brothers and and Lost Levels, as you said, Leon, it always felt like you knew. It may be because the game's hard, but if you died, it was your fault. Whereas, mm. in um, in this game. Uh, it's not that you're going to die, it's that you're going to feel frustrated and it doesn't necessarily always feel like it's your fault because it feels like the game's a bit maybe too obscure in terms of what it's asking you to do or why you've got a pink dinosaur spitting eggs at you, which is just wrong <laughs> in every sense of the word. That There's there's no world in which that's right. But I do think it's kind of interesting that what they decided to do was say, well, the Mario games are already kind of um, this weird you know dreamlike things so mm-hmm. what would mario's dreams be like and <laughs> and allowed that, that that allowed them the in to to reskin this as a mario game um because his I mean, dreams would be even more weird than his world so 
You mentioned Birdo as being like a weird sort of boss fight, essentially. Um, but what happens after Birdo, when you defeat the, the weird thing, is mm. that you, you enter a bird's head and you go in there. It's like, <laughs> that is that is the complete opposite of what Mario Brothers 1 was, which was a flagpole and you go down it. Like, I would never have imagined or dreamed of going into a bird's face to end a level. That is just, it sums that game up yeah. in a, you know, what's Mario Brothers 2 like? It's like this, right? And you go inside a bird's face. You know, that's it. And if yeah. no one's ever played Mario Brothers 2 before, um, I, I, you know, you should, but also check out, uh, for, the, for the first time I've just seen Doki Doki Panic on YouTube, and it seemed wrong to me that it wasn't Mario and Peach and Lu- Luigi and Toad yeah. running around. Yeah. So it, it's obviously done something right. It is, it is a good game because it's burned in my brain. But um, Imagine Mama, Lena and Papa were the four original mm. characters um there are as you can imagine there are sites that uh, break down to the nth detail the differences between yeah. the two yeah. games um and although they've really uh, they have released um the lost levels or super mario brothers 2 on 3ds virtual console i don't think they've ever released doki doki panic on a european nah. virtual console it's, it's probably I'll, I'll, intentional to be honest mm. it, it wouldn't I'll, surprise me if it was i would have seen it by now if it was like i've been far mm. too curious yeah. Um, I, I do respect Doki Doki Panic because when I got a job at Kuju, it was because I was the only one who knew that that was oh. you know, Mary <laughs> Brothers 2 in a different skin. Yeah, so nice. I've always got a special weird place for that game. That, that's got to be an intentional choice not to release that in the Western world because obviously it may be, as Darren just said, you watch a video of it and it just looks wrong because we all think of that as a Mario game, whereas mm. obviously that wasn't the case initially in, in Japan. It just... I guess they don't want to point that out to people even now, even though it's widely known, everyone knows it. Well, not everyone, obviously, otherwise Darren wouldn't have got a job. But um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, my, I guess my lasting memory of this game is just the first time, uh, the time where you go towards the door and it, it tries to eat you and, and yeah. suddenly that becomes a boss fight. That's just perfect. And, you know, we, we talked about Grab by the Ghoulies uh, not that long ago, the start of this volume. And a, a big part of that game is the first time you go to a door, and it turns out that it's actually a door that's gonna to try and kill you. And and you think you think about that, you know the the despite the fact it was a reskin of some other game, the ramifications in Mario and in other games, as Carl said, uh, show that th- this game has had a, a lasting effect. So. I think the the yeah the one of the standout bits for me is uh, as well as the ludicrously slippy slidey slippy slidey ice world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the bit where you start a level and there's a uh, an, an endlessly respawning birdo there who uh the puzzle is you have to climb aboard a birdo spat egg <laughs> to zoom across several screens worth of gap yeah. and then when you get there you have to pick up a what looks like an innocuous vegetable and it turns into a spaceship and launches you onto the next section <laughs> what about what that, that? doesn't make sense Leon. <laughs> <laughs> i think i may have merged two separate memories there but that that certainly rings a bell but remarkably, um, at almost the exact same time as America was getting uh, that game, Super Mario Brothers 2, in that form, uh, J- Japan were getting Super Mario Brothers 3, October 1988. Mm. Um, and I do remember uh, people like Julian Rignall in CMBG um, talking about that they'd been able to play this game and how extraordinary and astonishing it was and it wouldn't wouldn't be for another uh, it didn't come out in uh, the US for another year and a half almost um, after The Wizard the famous movie with Fred Savage with the power glove being bad and all that sort of stuff which was effectively a, a 90 minute 
advert for, for the forthcoming Super I hope Mario by Brothers 3. saying bad, you're actually talking 80s lingo for awesome. It, well, it was <laughs> awesome. That, that's what they meant in the, uh, that's what they meant in the film. Um, yeah. Uh, it was of course amazing. Um, the power glove. Yeah. Everybody, everybody used them back in 1990. Um, and we, we, I say we, uh, the, the, the few remaining NES owners in Powland had to wait until August, 1991, almost three years mm. after the Japanese Famicom release of Super Mario Brothers. How amazing is that? Mm. Um, only two years before the um, the SNES version came out, in fact, which I su- is I, su- I suspect how a lot of us first played it was for me anyway. And we moan about PSN stores being delayed by day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of yeah. puts it into perspective a little bit. Three years. It's all right, we're exacting yeah. our revenge of the PlayStation 4 now, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's extraordinary stuff. So, um, as I said, I think my view of Super Mario Brothers 3 is coloured by the fact that I played Super Mario World, which was, of course, a SNES launch title yeah. immediately before it. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about Super Mario World in a month's time and its and its sequel, of course. Um, Super Mario Brothers 3 is, is a game that I still you know really enjoyed. Uh, I can still play it. It feels like Mario. It's got mm. full of crazy ideas and inventions and, and, and amazing power-ups and cool levels. And it's, it's the game that is the Mario game that brought in the world map and, and various other things, again, that we'll recognize from then on. Um, but for me, it, was, it felt like a backward step after the game that was effectively Super Mario Brothers 4. Um, and I kind of wish I'd played it in 91 mm. i wish you know i wish i'd had it at the time because i think i would love it all the more rather than feeling sort of fondly disposed towards it but not but always it for, for me it will always live in super mario world's shadow yes. and i th- and i know for some people that they they still prefer three what about you guys yeah I, I i've been putting pictures on twitter and facebook recently of me actually finding pictures of myself as a kid during certain yeah. Mario yeah. moments of my life, and it's adorable. It's been quite, yeah, a bit of a revelation. I found a diary that I didn't even know existed, mm-hmm. and it's a diary all about me playing Mario and Turtles and uh, Jack the Nipper on the Commodore and stuff like this. Mm. It's amazing read. I, I might have to put it all on Facebook one day, but um, yeah, there's a picture of me the exact day that I got it, and I look like a massive dork. You look exactly the same, Darren. So be careful what you say. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Have you seen my hair? I haven't got a bowl cut anymore. Hello. Um, yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I don't remember which order I played Mario World or Mario 3 in, but I've definitely got pictures of both them times that I played them for the first time. And the fact that I can even remember that is a true testament to how influential these games were on my life. Like, I just remember getting that for Christmas and just thinking, this is Mario Brothers 3. I had um, Blades of Glory and Kickoff as well, but Mario 3 was definitely the one that was uh, always in the nets. And um, yeah, that. Uh, I can say I, I can't really remember which one I played first, but Mario Brothers three for me was something of a I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, like right. straight from the world map, it's it's different. You're like the stars spin around and Mario's in the, in the top left corner. You're like, what? What's this? Like, do I mm-hmm. do I get to choose levels? And you're sort of given obviously not free choice, but you are given a choice of where you want to go yeah. and how you want to do it. And even on a world map, it kind of rewards the player for thinking differently. Not just go one, two, three, four, but how about if you went one, two, four, and then you'll get a little toad house that rewards you or something. You know, you can miss a level and you think, oh, "Was I supposed to do that? Like, am I, am I being, <laughs> am, am I cheating the game, or, I, I, or is the game letting me, you know, skip a level that I weren't too fond of?" Because you're going to get a level that's auto scrolling. You're like, "Oh man, I, I hate the auto scrolling levels." And luckily, it's one that you don't have to do, so you kind of feel like. You can avoid it and come back later on 
and that's the game treating it's kind of respecting you in a weird way like you know you're not good enough for this level how about you just <laughs> come back to it later and yeah um i definitely oh it, it's such a good game and it was one of the, f- the first few mario brothers games that we actually played in two player because it kind of felt more segregated separated from the other player like mario brothers one when you played it two player it was instantaneously jumping from mario and luigi but whereas now you had the world map to sort of give you a bit of time to relax from it all you know it's like i've done my level now it's luigi on the world map and i remember playing in co-op pretty much with my, with my brother back in the day and uh yeah I, it, it, the other day in mario 3d world so it all comes full circle in a weird mm. way it's you know it, it it's odd that you mentioned that you know some people prefer mario Bros. 3 or super mario world and it does always seem to come down to those two as far as the 2d mm. platformers go um i have probably i have equal memories of both really both really strongly but in in the case of super mario brothers 3 i i had a really good friend who moved away uh from the street that i lived in he used to live two houses down and the lad that moved in he was uh, he was a bit rough but he had two younger brothers and every so often we you know we'd get together we'd play football in the street and then we'd go inside and those two younger brothers had a nes and they played Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, and I used to love playing this game, but my strongest memories come from watching them because they were, they were so young at the time. But they, it's like they could play that game with their eyes closed. And they would, you know, there was things, I, I was aware of things in games, but they'd show me like tricks that I'd never seen before. Even when the, the, the game was, well, it was new for us. It wasn't so much new really at all, given it was nearly three years old mm. but mm. you know the, the first time they'd go behind the world and then run behind the back and you're like <gasps> and I'd, I'd, I'd watch them do it and i swear my face would look like a blooper i'd just have the big wide open <laughs> eyes and be like oh my how have they done that it was just everything that i loved about super mario brothers one and everything that i didn't really like about super mario brothers two um sort of came together and just created this incredible 2d platformer that that you know, as as Darren mentioned, the way you progress along the world map, the you know the way you could do stuff, uh, you get like the little little things to to help you, the little things on the side, and it felt like it was a proper adventure going through a two D platformer. You know, it, the enemies were were strong. It looked, you know, oddly enough, at the time, wonderful. It obviously looked better since, but um, just to play it, it felt so sharp and on point that the controls were obviously slightly more refined from super mario brothers one you could feel it in the movement of the character mm. um yeah it was it was it was just utterly magic but and as much as i loved playing it my memories of that game seemed to be watching other people and uh, the 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 other thing i remember about super mario brothers 3 is that at the time it came out was the time that we sort of had the first real boom of television game shows on TV. We had Games Master and and, and Games World came at a slightly later date, and they would really push this as a challenge that you would you know you would play levels on this and see how well you could do. Click client, see if you could make it through to the end of the level. And I think that was sort of like the big coming out party for Mario for me. I, you know, it felt like I enjoyed Super Mario Brothers, but it didn't feel like it was everyone's cup of tea. But when I was playing this, everyone I knew loved this game. Everyone wanted to get their hands on it and play it. Um, you know, it was on television. It was in the magazines. It was, you know, it was people were talking about it in the playground. And I think, like I said, my memories surrounding it for all those reasons are so strong. And even if you go back and play it now, it's still charming to play. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, Super Mario World has aged better 
as a, as a 2D platformer, but Super Mario mm-hmm. Bros. 3 is just so memorable uh, and, and still so much fun to play. Yeah, it's, it's evident from the box art that they were going for, you know, a familiar but different Mario feeling. Like the fact that he's got his Tanuki suit on and he's sort of, he's sort of hovering in the sky towards the player on the box art. Um, it's, it, that suit is, is uh, it, it's quite hard to explain, but I think it's Nintendo starting their sort of appeal for everyone to play. Because if you think about the Tanuki suit, it allows you to sort of hover down across gaps that people may may have found of quite you know quite tricky to get across in the first place. So you mm-hmm. can jump and then you can sort of hover across a gap that you may you may die beforehand. But also it appeals to the hardcore Nintendo player at the time. The fact that if you're really good with the Tanuki suit, you could just take off and like enter yeah. the clouds without going yeah. up a beanstalk. The, it was, yeah, there's other stuff you can do, other stuff you can find. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like that kind of philosophy's been implemented in Nintendo games, uh, you know, ever since then. It's just like, it, here's a thing for everyone to enjoy, whether you're not so good at the game or whether you're the best at the game. And I think that's, um, you know, that's in Super Mario World with the cape. And I just, yeah, I, I can see why everyone loves Mario Brothers 3 Tanuki suit, and I'm glad they brought it back. Um, Miyamoto said uh, the Tanuki suit turns into a statue. Even mm. though I knew it wouldn't make sense to some non-Japanese players, I was so excited about it that I left it. <laughs> yeah, the Tanuki, of course, is, uh, is a sort of, well, it's not legendary. It's a real animal, but it's um, there's, it's a raccoon dog in Japan that has a lot of uh, myths built up around it, including uh, some of them have an oversized scrotum and, um, <laughs> that symbolizes uh, wealth and things like this. Yeah. Um, trivia, uh, Tom Nook. In in uh, in Animal Crossing yeah. is also named after Tanuki, hence, hence his name, Tom Nook. Are you trying um, to say that he's got big balls? <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to. Ask, uh, I do want to ask, but you said it. no. He's wealthy. <laughs> he's uh, he's 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 prosperous. Rich. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. prosperous. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, Carl, you mentioned Games Master there. I think Games Master started in in the autumn of '92. Yeah. So um, Super Mario Brothers three had already been around for a year. But I, I I specifically remember the one where you know, hello Games Master, can you tell yeah. me how to get the walk whistle on World One Point One or whatever it is? And yeah, um, the first thing I did when I finally got my uh, my Super Mario All Stars cart two years later, <laughs> whatever, was uh, was d- hold down on the D pad mm. on that white platform on that yeah. very early level, and um, behind the uh, the screen to get my walk whistle. I think that's it, exactly. It, it's like with the introduction of the, the shows like Games Master and people asking, it was by the time people went and got it on All Stars and were playing it, and in my case, playing it again, we knew so much more because with that that media and, and the, the, the fact that the magazines were really starting to cover these games, um, mm. all these secrets were sort of, we, we knew going into that game, and it, it's... Mm. It's at a time, it, it's hard to explain to anyone who's, you know, too young now to remember this, especially in the day of the internet where everything is instant. You know, we know secrets of a game before it comes out or, you know, yeah. within within hours of its release. And, and here, you know, we'd see it like a year in advance on a TV show and be like, I'm going to do that when I get it in a year's <laughs> time sort of thing. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. The whole timeline was so much longer in those days, but yeah. I've, I've yeah. got so many more memories because of it. Yeah, and of course you you know you were younger and things are more oh, exciting yes. when you're that age, I suppose. Um, 
Yeah, another thing I always find interesting about, I remember it being mentioned again at the time um, by, some, by some of the magazines who were in the know. Um, this was a cartridge which came with onboard assistance, as it were. It was, this wasn't a, a vanilla ROM cart. This had, uh, this had help in it, much like the Super FX chip. Mm. Um, the Super Mario Brothers 3 cart had some custom chips in it, which uh, allowed basically better scrolling, more colors, uh, more animation, um, di- you know, diagonal scrolling and, and, and a split screen display and things like this which um, which were hitherto impossible so obviously the manufacturing costs would have been higher for this uh, for this cart but obviously they they wanted to do whatever it took you know to to go all out and make this game as as, as good looking as, as they could mm. <clears throat> yeah there's um thinking about I've got you know playing Mario Brothers 3 again recently there's so many things in that game that sort of rewrote the rules for Mario for example mm. the little donut type cheerio platforms that you stand on yes. and yeah. it's the the way nintendo design their stuff is that they're so it's so clever like it wobbles first before it drops mm-hmm. and i imagine mm-hmm. in most platform games before that they just drop after a little while but they give you enough signposting like it's going to wobble watch out and then it disappears and you mm-hmm. see that you see that in mario 3d world on the wii u and stuff and you just think i can't believe like it's like 20, 25 years, oh, 25, my maths off there. it's 20 odd <laughs> years old. Uh, uh, it's I, 25 years. Yeah, yeah. An, an idea that's just lasted for 25 years. And even now when I play Mario 3D World on the Wii U, I, I still look at that and sometimes it catches me out. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's such a clever idea. And there's so many of them in Mario Brothers 3 that you can see why people would prefer that overworld. And I'm, sort of conflicted between the two because I, I it's okay yeah. you don't have to yeah, choose no, a i was favorite. gonna say uh, we're talking uh, about which is a preference both yeah i think mario 3 is a harder game and i'm talking from getting to one to eight as opposed to like star mm. road etc because once you hit world eight and those tanks <laughs> are, c- are coming yeah, towards that, you that is there's some tough yeah. stuff there i find that very very the last the last airship level is a yeah, it is absolutely bonkers. But the the sense of grandiose in that game from an eight bit console is it's unparalleled because of the you know the the extra help you said that I didn't even know about, which mm. is quite interesting. But like mm. when you defeat a boss and you get the the one that falls out the sky and you, mm-hmm. you try and grab it at the pinnacle of Mario's <laughs> jump to make it feel that much more epic, and you're like yes, <laughs> and then the music kicks in and you just think I've never heard, I've never felt. The, like uh, such synergy between visual and audio on the screen before mm. in Mario 3. And I sound like I'm really hyping this game up like to be the best thing in the world. But when you grab that wand and the, the screen flashes in the background and yeah. the music kicks off, you're like, this it's, it's, is, you know, digital magic. It's, it's, it's the recipe that Peggo used, wasn't it? You know, when you yeah. get that last peg goes, you want, you want, yeah, you want something that feels like a crescendo. It feels like, you know, a real pinnacle, as you say. And so you, mm. you want to make it spectacular. Um, Koji Kondo says uh, this time around I added a lot of percussion and was able to create tracks that sounded like there were three or more sounds playing at once resulting in a much richer sounding music yeah, <clears throat> yeah you yeah, can definitely you can hear it. Yeah. feel it definitely it's... I wonder if there was some onboard uh, audio assistance yeah. in, that, in that extra chippage as well I've got to think there's, there has to be because it, it does feel like they're doing stuff here that there's so much new stuff going on that almost in a way we were just talking about um, Super Mario Brothers 2 or USA to to distinguish it. Um, it. It does feel like there's a lot of experimentation going on in Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, technically as well, like scrolling levels, stuff like that. Um, 
and it feels like maybe that was because they couldn't do it before as much as they had all these extra ideas and things they wanted to try. Mm. Um, so that would make perfect sense in terms of the sound and the visuals and, and the mechanical side as well. That there is stuff that they literally built, you know, hardware to be able to do. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's quite impressive to see, actually. And there's stuff they try that, that didn't stick, not having flags at the end of the level. Well, flags came back. You know, certainly by, mm-hmm. by now, flags are uh, unexpected. Um, the speedometer um, at the bottom, which obviously <laughs> is to, to tell you that you're going to be able to, even without the Tanuki suit on, you're going to be able to sort of soar a little bit. Um, but with the Tanuki suit, it's almost, it is almost like flying. Um, and then the cards as well. So although like the Fruit Machine and, and the Pick-A-Box minigames, certainly having just played 3D World, those obviously rung out to me. And having not played all of, in fact, any of the other uh, 3D Mario games in between. I'm not sure how many of those were recurring all the way through, but they certainly, you know, it's nice to see 20 years later hmm. those ideas come through. Um, it, it's it's weird playing through these games. I played through Super Mario Bros. and thought, oh, wow, all these ideas, all of this was actually already here and I hadn't realised it. And then you get to Super Mario Bros. 3 and it's like, oh, no, actually, this, it does in some ways feel like a blueprint for what mario would become um in some way you know in, in that way i have a feeling by the way that we're uh, quite understandably because they're very similar um mucking uh muddling up the tanuki and the and the, and the, and raccoon, the raccoon suit yeah, course, yeah. The, yeah. The, the the leaf makes you the raccoon yeah, right. which makes which gives you the the flappy tail and the ability to sort of hover fly um whereas the tanuki is the one that allows you to turn into stone but actually they are both different yeah. variants and, and on the raccoons. i think on the front cover of the game it is actually just the raccoon suit isn't it because yeah, it's still right. in dungarees yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than because yeah. it actually changes but, the whole yeah, it's a suit. Yeah, 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 like he's wearing a onesie or something mm. like that. Whereas the yes. Raccoon suit's just ears and a tail, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and of course, no golden flashing helpy items at this point, or 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 built-in things to show you the way through the level if mm. you keep messing up you, stuff like that. You get a handy letter from Peach though saying, you know, have a have a pee. A wing, and then you could just fly above the yeah. level for the whole level if you want to. Yeah, save that for World Eight. Yes, please. That's actually yeah. That is a very good point. Actually, that's um yeah. That's that's the start of that sort of mm. thing, isn't it? Again, yeah. Did anyone play? Uh, they really held it back um, for the Game Boy Advance one. It became Super Mario Advance Four, mm, Super did, Mario yeah. Brothers Three. Yeah. Um, Confusing titles, be damned. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's like a it's like a football school. That's right. Not since uh, Final really Fantasy. <laughs> Good version? Yeah, it's really good. Um, whereas All-Stars All sort of improves on the visual style because it's 16-bit and they're going to have more uh, parallaxing backgrounds and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, it actually went a step further and I really like its aesthetic. Uh, but what makes it set apart, not many people know this, is that mm. if you had an e-reader, you could unlock extra levels with cards. And I, yeah. I've only seen one or two extra levels because I didn't, you know, e-reader oh. was a bit of a flash in the pan for mm. me. I wish I'd have kept it, but you know what I mean, in hindsight and all that. But yeah, like you were like extra levels that weren't in the original game. Yes, please. And they're wow. actually really good levels, the two that I've seen. I'm sure I can emulate the other ones, but I kind of like having the yeah. magic of the memory of mm. you know, e-reading back in the day. I wonder if these will, when, when eventually, if they ever do get around to doing GBA games on Virtual Console for sale, not just for the Ambassador program, mm. uh, might they consider re-releasing these? I hope yeah. so. Uh, but yeah, it was 10 years ago now oh. um, that came out on GBA. Yeah. Uh, 2003, 2004 time. And again, it, it carried on the Mario Brothers, uh, you know, link up play because it was in every single one of them, wasn't it? You yep. could play Mario yep. Brothers all the way through. 
All right, so let's hear uh, briefly from a few forum members, uh, starting with Andy Kurosaki, who says, I can remember playing Super Mario Brothers 1 in the seaside arcades. I was never much good at it. It wasn't until Super Mario All-Stars on the SNES that I got to play them properly. Out of them all, Super Mario Brothers 3 stood out as the best one. A huge play area, catchy music, just a fantastic game. Super Mario Brothers 2 was fun, although a bit strange. <laughs> Though that makes sense, seeing how it wasn't originally a Mario game until the real Super Mario Brothers 2 was considered too hard for us. It may seem basic today, but it's clear to see why Super Mario Brothers 1 was important. The gameplay was addictive, the music was great, and it felt like something original, and it just got better from there. And uh, from Map, he says, Even though I had a Mega Drive before, I don't think I became truly wrapped up in gaming until my dad came home with a SNES, Mario Kart, Super Street Fighter 2, Super Mario World, and Super Mario All-Stars. The first two games were obviously great with my friends and family, and Super Mario World had save files and hidden secrets, so it eventually became more of a pass-the-controller game. But All-Stars became the place where I went into my happy place and learned, really learned how and why to play games. I'd played the original NES games at my uncle's on a few visits, but with all three games on one handicart, they became my 101 of gaming. Mario 2, first step, as it felt like the easiest, and I remember it being the one that I completed long before the rest. Then I focused on Mario 1, starting with me jumping quickly through the game using secret warp pipes before trying to complete it from start to finish. I still haven't managed it, sadly. Mario 3 is where I found my gaming home. It's, it just feels complete. New ideas in every world, perfectly slightly slippy controls so you feel like you're only just hanging on. Oh, and a frog suit! I never really touched the lost levels, though. The eight-year-old me just couldn't handle it. However much I may enjoy the new Mario game, I don't think I'll, I go to them for the same reasons as the original three. Mainly as the inclusion of saving your progress makes the game's platforming jeopardy disappear a little for me. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good. That is the flip side. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a good callback with the frog suit because that just makes swimming levels like I don't like swimming levels at the best of time. No when you've got does. a frog suit on, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're literally, a, well, not literally a frog, but you're a Mario frog underwater, and it is, just seems like a million times easier. <laughs> and uh, Karibo shoe as well was a, a, a much-loved intro, yeah. you know, debut. That, that shoe is brilliant when you bop a little Goomba out of there, and then you're just <laughs> hopping around in a little boot, and then you realise you can actually jump on top of the previously little nippy black things that kill you, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm now jumping on you. And Interestingly, that's that's still maintained a secret, even in the Super Mario All Stars manual that I'm sitting here reading. Um, it's got all the collectibles apart from the shoe, yeah. um, which is obviously you know to maintain its uh, enigma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a, a small smattering of three-word reviews, please, gentlemen. Mm. The Sonic Mole says a winning formula. Uh, Ryan Astley says eight-bit epicness. I'm sure I laughed at his name before, but Five Bulls of Muesli said, <laughs> Heaven and Hell. That's quite a breakfast. <laughs> uh, thank you for those, everybody. We didn't put the shout out until late. Um, so that's just why there's three. And also, it's difficult when you're doing, you know, three and a half, four games mm. um, to sum them up into three words. I like so. to think that the games are that good. Most people are still speechless. <laughs> speechless, yes, undoubtedly. Well, uh, hopefully you're not speechless then, Carl. Um, if you'd like to sum up for us um, your feelings about the early core Mario games. I think the core Mario games, are they'll always be important and iconic, and they've, they've made such an impact on the, on the world of 2D platformers uh, 
certainly certainly for positive reasons and they certainly shaped my you know gaming destiny almost and in you know playing them such such a young age and how i ended up essentially gearing most of my life towards video games from playing them to doing degrees on them and studying them and writing about them at university um and you know i always sort of keep quiet about my my love for mario i don't think many people necessarily associate me with it as being a huge mario fan but I've gone out and I've bought pretty much every Nintendo console at launch if there's been a Mario-related game. And, I, you know, I've eaten it up all the way up to the Wii U, which I bought just to play New Super Mario Bros. U. So uh, it's it's been interesting over the time seeing how, you know, these, these games have, you know, been developed. Uh, you know, how they changed from Super Mario Bros. 1 through, you know, the, the difficult 2 or the bizarre 2, whichever way you want to see it. Um, and the frankly marvelously brilliant three, which if someone sat it down in front of me right now, I'd go and play through uh, and enjoy it, start again, and probably spend the whole weekend on it. Um, mm. It it's still so playable twenty five years after its release, and I don't think there are many, certainly not many platforming games that you would ever say that about that are even you know considerably younger. Uh, you know it's. I'm sure everyone out there has played them or seen enough of them to know about them or sadly maybe aren't as interested in them as they should be with, you know, the, the the some of the superb 3D efforts we've seen from, you know, Mario 64 through to the galaxies. Um, not so much sunshine. Um, but if you haven't played them uh, and you do have an interest in 2D platformers, see where it all truly began to to really take shape um you know mario one isn't a great game anymore but it but it's interesting to see where it comes from but please play super mario Bros. 3 because it is still fairly fantastic cool james it's been a strange uh, past couple of weeks for me because um I, as I said when I began, I, I haven't played. I, okay, I got to these games quite late, really. When I got my teeth into them, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't until um, late '93 with uh, All Stars on the SNES. Um, but it has been nigh on twenty years since I I touched them, and I guess I'd forgotten or never actually realised because I might have missed some Mario's in in between times. Just how much specifically. Well, actually, all four of these games. So everything that's on on the All Stars cart is it's a real blueprint for what Mario would become, and and everything that that legacy entails. Just saying, Mario brings you know ev- evokes something in people who enjoy and play video games, um, just by the very nature of that of that name, that character, um, and it's been going back to it now i've had that realization uh, a, a bit like playing through uh, metal gear and metal gear 2 before moving on to the solid games of just how much was actually already in place here and certainly by super mario brothers 3 it's it's amazing having just played um 3d world as well it, there's such a lineage there and that's 25 years as as the all stars re-release points out 25 years of history and it, and it feels like it it has just been 25 years of of going from this blueprint and and 
continuing even through iterations and changes and through those years of still holding on to a core concept that that Mario uh, gives, which is, as Darren was saying, there, there's they're, they're inviting games through their aesthetic, the music, through the fact that they do now have ways and means of making the game slightly easier, be it through save states or be it through bubbles that pull you through the level or or you know power ups, etc. Um, but on the other hand, there is there's so much depth in terms of secrets, even back in in that very simple Super Mario Brothers first game, um, or ostensibly simple, I should say, because even then there was depth. There was a lot to be found, and you know, ev- you know, you can watch uh, a speedrun video or something like that and see stuff that you just don't realize is is possible. And and the design of those games was such that people can stumble over that stuff without having to be told about it, without having to read it in a manual or necessarily even. You know, we talked about here about certain secrets on Games Master. It's amazing how much it allowed you to stumble over these things uh, and feel like you were the one finding this out for the first time, which, you know, people always say about stuff like Portal and that kind of thing. The discovery that it allows you to have off your own back, your own impetus, without feeling like you were necessarily directed there. And Super Mario Brothers does that right back then, way back then. In 1985, it does that, and these these four games, just for the legacy of video games, not even just Mario, are are such a blueprint for this the smart and intelligent ways to go about creating characters and worlds and uh, music and aesthetic and just level design and and a real feel of joy in playing it. I think, and as a 20 year nostalgia trip, it's been fantastic to go back to. Thank you. Um, for me, I, I, I've bought and treasured Super Mario All-Stars twice, I suppose you could say. I suppose I didn't treasure it enough the first time when I, eventually I sold my pal SNES, but um, I was happy to buy it again, and it's one of those uh, sort of collections of games that I consider integral and essential to my personal games collection. That said, I don't know now if somebody was coming to me for the first time and saying, you know, and you do hear these people, they say, I've never played a Mario game. Um, I'm generally they say they're not interested to um and i say well you ought to be <laughs> uh, but i don't know whether i'd recommend um now that somebody started with uh the original super mario brothers which obviously you know you can buy on virtual console on 3ds or wii u um and and in a way that's you know the cheapest quickest and easiest way to play them but i don't know perhaps we'll learn over the course of this series of, of mario sort of games whether if we can establish whether we actually whether we think these games are better or more important because they were earlier or whether, you know, if somebody said to me now, I want to play a Mario game, I've never played one before, should I just say, play new Super Mario Brothers U on the Wii U? You know, mm-hmm. it looks really nice. It's got modern, um, you know, concessions. It's not as it's not as difficult and, and frustrating. But I think, I think overall my instinct says that you would be missing out to not go all the way back with, with Super Mario Brothers because... They are maybe maybe not quite timeless. I think I think there are some you know there are still some games that stand up very well from from the same era. Even even platformers, things like Bubble Bobble. Um, but Mario has aged remarkably well. I think Super Mario Brothers one to three, um, two I'm less fond of, and three I'm not of personally as fond of as World. But as I say, I think that's simply because I came to it after. But 
um, no arguments from me that these are magnificent and obviously hugely important games and uh, well worth playing. Mm. Darren. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I'm a massive lover of the, you know, Nintendo and Mario in general. Um, you know, you look around this, my gaming room and there's Mario stuff on the wall. There's even a Mario holding a 3DS. So, you know, I, it's, and as I said earlier, it's influenced Christmases and, you know, there's been pictures taken of me and sort of documented in a weird way. So he's had a big influence on my life. Um, but going back to Mario one on the NES and lost levels, <laughs> had a tough time playing them because I just felt like the um the inertia of Mario was a bit too off for me. I found it a bit too like uh, I, I couldn't get the precise jumps in that I, I always thought I could do back in mm. the day. I think games like Super Meat Boy sort of ruined that in a way because that's that's so precise. And now when Mario's going downstairs and you want to jump off a downstairs bit, he doesn't always jump. And you think, yeah. oh come on, I want to jump off of these <laughs> downstairs moments. There's a few things like that just sort of like sort of sour my memory on the whole experience. But, you know, that's part of playing games 25 years later. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do think... Uh, I'll be, uh, I know people have said to me, <laughs> I've never played a Mario game, and that, that, that kind of blows my mind because every time I've got a Nintendo machine, I've always ended up with Mario Brothers on it. And whether that's through an ambassador program or I had Animal Crossing and I found it in, in the ground. Do you know what I mean? It's, so, it's always been there throughout the many years of my life owning Nintendo consoles. And... I think that's a testament to just how good it, you know, it actually is in its core. Uh, you know, uh, Mario Brothers Two. I, d- I don't really. It's worth checking out just to see how weird it is compared to the first one. But I, d- I don't think you should play through it. <laughs> it sounds really harsh and just throw away. But it's, it's, it's. Oh, it's not a Mario game, is it? Really? It has some good ideas that sort of influence later Mario games. But from you know, from Doki Doki Panic, it's. It, I find I'd find it hard to recommend someone to go to that one after the first one. I, if I was to say anyone now, if it, how should I play Mario? I'd say go one, then three. Maybe just have a little brief glance at two, just to see how how different it is. But it's um, Mario three for me in this, you know, the core trilogy of Mario games. It's it's phenomenal how how much of that game is in other games, and um, it stands up. Uh, you say other games of that era have you know have stood up, and I think Mega Man Two is a, is a prime example of platforming games of that era can still be really really good now. And Mario Three is probably the king of the castle. Um, it is absolutely magical, and probably the first game that like people always say Nintendo are the video game Disney. Uh, I think that's the first game for me that really like stood out and think hang on this you know this is on par with the um the presentation and audio visual loveliness of a disney film it's just it kind of just it's all married into one near perfect game and if you've got a 3ds it's coming out on the 3ds eShop soon so you can get it for a discounted price and i yeah that's you should definitely play it because it is and were you oh yeah, the, yeah there's a lot of nintendo network id stuff I'm not too sure if it uh, is it with you. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, I, I have the I have the Wii Virtual Console NES version as well as the All Stars Wii Disc version. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping it will be upgradable to the Wii U mm. version, which will hopefully be the US version again, yeah. 60 hertz and all that. But uh, ultimately, I had the most fun playing all three and a half games on All Stars uh, recently. Um, but just because it it looks nicer, it sounds a bit nicer, and it does control a little bit. A bit nicer. <laughs> so if you if you want if you want a, a nicer version of Mario games, uh, head for the All Stars version. I think it's I think it's great. 
Excellent stuff. And indeed, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren Gargett, James Carter and Carl Moon. And to tell you that uh, next time in issue 110, it's another SMB, only this time it's Simeons in Spheres <laughs> in Super Monkey Ball. Until then, some of that amazing Koji Kondo music. <laughs>